Fresh Kid C. Yes, sir. Fresh Kid P. Fresh Kid T. Oh, yeah, we back. Right. Well, welcome back to the cleanup. Uh, we are lucky to have a special guest, uh, Taylor Ringgold, the host of The End of the Bench, and more importantly to me, my cousin. That's right, baby. What's up, guys? How are you? How's it going? Good. How are you? Good, man. I uh, appreciate coming on. This is nice. Um, so let's let's hop into just some news real quick and before we get into the AL East. So sure. Lance Lynn traded over to the Chicago White Sox for Dane, Dane Dunning and the player to be named later. I don't know if they've announced his last name, but. They did. I, I have no idea who it is. Then honestly, it doesn't matter because the Lance Lynn's a big name out of that trade. But uh, exactly. Yeah. So how do how we feel about that trade off the bat for the White Sox? Um, I mean, like this guy, everyone knows big workhorse. He, you know, had that Tommy John surgery, had a little setback in 2018, but this is the guy that the White Sox needed. You know, they had the Giolito piece, they have Keuchel, they have other young guys in that rotation, but they needed like your definition of a number one, like Giolito's trying to get there. And I think he can be, if it's audition, maybe it's next year to be that the definition of a number one. Maybe he already is, but like having Lance Lynn, who's an easy 200-inning guy, easy. And I just listened to Giulio talking about like reacting to it. He's like, to have a guy in that rotation, in our rotation, that throws 100, 100 pitches every outing and gets seven innings at least, one, that's amazing for the bullpen, too, like for the young guys in the rotation to learn from him. I mean, that's like a huge win-win. And they didn't really give up that much. The, the Dunning, Dunning piece, like he's a good pitcher, 98th overall prospect in Major League Baseball. But he's not like I, – I honestly, I don't know why the Rangers didn't ask for more. Yeah, I think they missed out on like a Drew Waters during the trade deadline. Like that could have been the return, but that didn't end yeah. up – they ended up holding on to Lynn. But... Yeah, that was weird. I thought the timing of it was weird. Like I think they could have done better – almost in the season to have what, like the end of last year. Um, you could have had Lynn for the end of last year and the next year. And now yeah. you just have him for just one season. Um, but it was definitely uh, go on the Rangers side. They need to start like going in the other direction. Like they need. Yeah. Do uh, you, you guys see Andrews got moved yeah, move from short. Yeah. I yeah. I saw it's that. I was like, "What on. are we doing?" I don't yeah. I don't know. I mean, Andrews Andrews one of my favorite shortstops of the of like the last decade. I mean, he's super durable, Gold Glove shortstop, leader, legit. Just gets base hits. It's what he's known for. He's, what he's supposed to do, and they move him. But he didn't ask for a trade request, so he's fine with it. But I'm like so confused. And then with the Lance Lynn trade. It's like, what are they trying to do? Are they trying to build, or are they trying to, or are they trying to like start all over? So it's such such a weird, weird trade for them. Yeah, they, I, they I, need to. They need to move. Like they need to start rebuilding because it's weird to say, but in that division right now, they might be like the last dog at the bowl at this point. Like they have not a lot of talent on their roster, not a lot of young talent, and they don't have really anything coming. 
Um, so, yeah, the the Rangers are in a weird place right now. But on the White Sox side of this trade, I love it because the White Sox are trying to be that playoff team with everyone else. When it comes down to a rotation matchup between Lucas Giolito and say Garrett Cole or uh, or Blake Snell, who's following him now is Lance Lynn against Tyler Glass now or Luis Severino. Like that's a huge upgrade for them. It's huge. And he, like I said before, definition of a workhorse. You don't really see, I mean, you can count almost on both hands, maybe a third hand of how many guys can pitch 200 innings a year with no problems, no injuries, no nothing, no pitching limit, no discussion of a pitching limit. And every team it's like a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's something you just can't find anymore. If you can have a guy on your roster, one or two guys in your roster that can pitch 200 innings, I mean, that just saves a bullpen. And even with last year being a limited year, only 60 games, imagine if he was on a contending team. Yeah. Down the yeah. stretch. And now the White Sox have a guy like that to maybe push past the Twins, which honestly, I think the Twins could, I don't even know. I mean, the, the whole, I was talking to Eli the other day about the whole Rosario clearing waivers thing. It was such a weird thing. I didn't see it coming at all. And, but it only makes sense because of cure loss. So you don't know what the Twins are going to be doing. So maybe the White Sox can now move forward past the Twins and actually take that first place in the AL Central and maybe go forward even farther. So yeah. you would say you're a, you'd say you're a big Lance Lynn fan then? No, 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 <laughs> no. Uh, and, I, and I said right before we start, I said, I'll tell a story. So um, I, I interned with the Twins in 2018. I was a broadcast intern, so I worked under their broadcasting team. My, my job was to interview, report, and then like edit those clips. And every day you had to come in to the office and have at least like five different story ideas for that series or whatever. And I remember... I remember when the two signings right in the beginning of spring training, it was Lance Lynn and Logan Morrison. Logan Morrison just came off a season of like, I don't know, 40 home runs, maybe 39. And I was like, dude, this is sick. He's going to hit some home runs. This roster just went to the playoffs last year's wildcard team. They just got Lance Lynn. This is great. Well, everyone knows those two guys absolutely flopped and they were the, uh, to say politely though, the worst Team player guys, Lance Lynn. When I tell you this, it was so rude. Like you guys know, like as as a your part of your job is to play baseball, and the other part of your job is to talk to the media afterwards. Even if you go four for four, you go over four. Doesn't matter. And Lance Lynn as a twin sucked flat out. The guy just the guy just sucked. He walked a lot. I wish I should have pulled up his numbers. I mean, his like his walks per nine were disgusting. It was so bad. And I remember there was a I think I don't know a handful eight nine times he had in the year where he just walked four or five guys in the start and went four innings, five innings. And I I remember in the beginning of the season, it had to been against the Cardinals because I know the Cardinals came to town. The Twins faced him in St. Louis and then came to Minnesota. It had to have been against them. I don't know. But the point is, is that if you guys don't know, you don't catch on it. So, like, when you do an interview with the starting pitcher, everybody talks to him. It's like that media scrum, and then whoever is the TV 
the the TV provider that's that's providing the game, if it's Fox or NBC or whatever, Fox that sideline reporter talks first, and once she or he is done talking, then the media, like the reporters and the analysts, can talk afterwards. I didn't know that as a young guy. I had no idea. So I saw like Lance Lynn was by himself. The media was waiting to go talk to him. And I was there was tons of media. So I'm like, I'm going to go over and talk to him. This is right after he got shelled, like five, like five walks got rocked. And I was like, all right, I'm going to, this is my very, like one of my very first times, number like two or three, third time, maybe in the, in the clubhouse, I go to interview him. I walk up, say, hey, Lance, you got a second. And he's like, get the fuck away from me. Wait for it until everyone else is here. Then you can talk to me. And I have like my mic, right? And then I have like um, like a pack on my – like a receiver on my hip with headphones so the producer can talk to me. And the producer heard that. And all I hear is them laughing in the studio, laughing that like I had no – like no one told me like how to do this shit. And then from that point on, we didn't get along at all. I barely talked to him the rest of the season. I remember I came on a one-on-one with him. He was one word answers. He um, was rude to everybody, everybody, even it's like some like the staff, like the guy was a complete dick. And he, I think he got like, what was the deal for the twins? Like they signed him for like one year, like 12 million. It, it was so preposterous, like so crazy and didn't, wasn't worth a cent goes to New York, plays for the Yankees does. Okay. And then I see he gets a three year, 30 million to the Rangers. And I flipped out. Cause the guy, I don't like him. I'll never like him until he apologizes, which you won't, but he, um, that's my two cents on Lance Lynn. Good for him. Go to the white Sox. I hope he gets shelled too. I don't, I don't like him. Yeah. I looked it up 2018. His worst year is, uh, his walks for nine was 4.37. And like every other category is like the worst statistical year of the entire year. Yeah. He's not, what was his ERA? I know his ERA for the year was like four, seven, yeah, seven four, or something. Seven, seven. Of the year. Wow, I'm a beast. I don't even know that. Yeah, guy was trash. He was so bad because the guy was like, you know, World Series champion, been to like, uh, um, been to the World Series, like, right, all star, whatever. And then, you know, he's also just a giant dude. He's just like, definition of a bad body, pitcher's body, doesn't care, just thick, just not good. Oh, I think we lost Eli's audio there. Yeah. Oh no, can't talk. Let's move to on now. to the let's move on to the Iglesias trade. Sure. Uh, actually, a nice little as much as I can't stand them. Nice little pickup for the Angels, and not a lot in return. I'm not really sure what the Reds are doing. I guess that's. I guess it looks more to be a money saving move uh, more than anything. But Iglesias goes to the Angels in return. Noe Ramirez and a player to be named later, and Noe is not great so uh interesting move interesting move i like the deal because the the angels for years have had no pitching have had no bullpen help and the 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 dylan bunding trade a couple years ago was nice it's like they're trying to build something like they have the offense with rendon of course they got the go in center field but it's like it's been the bullpen has been just hot trash for years and the iglesias on is he the best closer in baseball no but he's i would say he's pretty reliable at yeah. times so it's like it's the beginning of something it's like the angels 
all this money, right? They spent it on Trout and Rendon. Can you go out, get some smart trades? They, you know, they they cleaned house in the front office, so they're trying to something new. Can they actually go out, spend, you know, the money that they have left? And can they trade some of their assets? And I I don't know what their ranking is, but I, I can just think it's off my head that their farm system isn't the best. I think they're, they're no, their number one guy was Adele, but now he's going to be in the starting yeah, roster. They got, they got Brandon Marsh behind him, who's a pretty good player. Right. Um, right. So, but, but they're not a stacked farm system from no. what I remember. No. So they need to, and this is what separates the front offices and GMs from the rest, is if you can trade what assets you have and get, I don't know, C, B-level, high B-level relievers or players to build around what you have now. I mean, look, it's like when it's a matter of time that the Angels can actually compete, but they have a – it's a tough division. Astros are good. A's are good. The Rangers are going to stink. And the – sorry, but the Mariners kind of suck too. No offense, but they do. Uh, they do. Uh, yeah, Eli, your, your audio stinks, dude. Um uh, yeah, so they just – it's just like they – this is what needs to happen. And if they can continue to kind of pick up these small pieces, I mean, could they do it? Could they – they're not going to win a division, but maybe yeah. they it, – it's, it's even like – and they even could be for a wild card. I don't, I don't, I don't think a, it's so. It's a nice little value move the way I look at it because it's not too much of a risk, really. You're not giving up much, and it's only – and you only have Iglesias for one year, and their bullpen – Frankly, can't get any worse. Um, no, so it's a one. Well, it was that guy Felix Pena, right? Wasn't he like the yeah. wins leader a couple of years ago? Yeah, and he's. I mean, they for some reason moved him from being a starter to the bullpen. Yeah. Um, and he's. I think he's pretty good. Um, but outside of that, the bullpen is not good, and this is a nice little value move for them. It's just a one year. It's basically a one year, eight million dollar contract for them, and they can afford it. So, yeah, and it's you know I feel like you know the rotation too. It's like I, I've always liked Garrett Richards, and you know I, he had so many injuries, but now he's kind of having a good time in San Diego. And Andrew Heaney's so average, you know. But I I think Bundy, I, you know, everyone was talking about Bundy being this like the next big thing in Baltimore, and then he had all the Tommy John surgeries and what have you. But then now he's kind of finding himself in LA. So I think if they can build around the pitching that what, what kind of offense they have, I mean, their offense too is like ancient. Like Justin Upton is like ancient Pujols is ancient, but they're still good hitters. But, um, and all I wonder if they can keep Simmons. If the, I don't know. The Yankees were kind of rumored to maybe go grab him. Who knows? Yeah. And they, they, they traded for the other Iglesias, Jose. Um, right. Which is a nice little move also. So pretty good, pretty good little off season forming right now for the angels. Eli, are you here? Are you back? You got to raise the volume up. You're, you're very quiet. So we'll, we'll just move on. We'll just keep going. Um, Carlos Santana signs with the signs with the Royals. Um, Love that move. Love nice that move. move for the Royals. They're actually making some moves. They got uh, yeah. Some talent. Yeah. But it was just shocking. Cause I'm so, like, it's like, what is Cleveland doing? Are they going to like, it's like Cleveland has, the the team to compete right they have the pitching which is by far probably the best rotation in the game it's arguably with Bieber, Carrasco and now Plezac 
but like Kristen McKenzie coming on last right year this kid McKenzie's a beast too so it's like what are they trying to do are they trying to compete are they letting guys go like the Lind- the whole Lindor thing is going to be the table setter to what excuse me I'm drinking a beer I'm getting those beer burns um uh so it's like what are they trying to do it's it all based on Lindor right yeah if Lindor what whatever they do with Lindor now it's like pretty obvious they're not going to keep him they yeah, don't have going, the- he's going to be traded yeah, I don't think he's playing a game in Cleveland this year no. I look, it's it's gonna be I think it's pretty obvious, but it's a matter of time. It's like what are they gonna do with Lindor? Are they going to trade him and get him? Well, they are gonna trade him, but what I'm saying, are they gonna get a shit ton back? Because Santana was is a pretty solid offensive first baseman. He's proved himself kind of defensively. He's better defensively than he's been years past. He can rake from both sides. I was like, how do the Indians let this slip? Yeah. It's they're in a weird place, and I think um, I don't think they're going to be real competitive next year. But they did get a nice return um, from the Padres and the Clev deal. The, the shortstop they got is pretty good, Arias. Um, right. But yeah, the Indians are definitely a frustrating team. I would be frustrated if I was an Indians fan. Because I know a lot of, I actually know a lot of like Cleveland fans and Indian fans and they just, it like their window was there. And, and they just didn't grab just it didn't, at like, all. It's like, but it's like they, it's like, it's not like they don't have the pieces. They Ramirez MVP candidate the last couple of years, Lindor, arguably the best shortstop. You can put that in an argument with, with Tatis and whoever else. But the thing is, is that it's like, that window in 2016 when they went to the World Series, like that, of course, was the peak. But like they, they have almost better talent now than they than they had back then. The rotation's better, with yeah. even with Bauer gone. They have Shane Bieber, who's the best pitcher in the game. You can put that in argument with Cole and you know and Bauer himself this too. Here he was. This year he was. Yeah, I mean that kid was he's so lights out. His fastball is so dirty. You know, like there like who are some guys that like just have like the late life that, that late zip like him. I, I would love to step in a box with him and like Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks, I want to step in a box with him so bad and see that 104 to my chin. That's what I want to see so badly. But anyway, I got off a tangent here. But the Indians, man, like the whole uh Santana thing, I don't get it. Um for the Royals. Like, I mean, or do they think they're going to compete in that division this year? Uh, I, I just – my thing with the Royals is the pitching isn't there. But the offensive talent, it's there. I mean, you got – They have a sneaky, sneaky good bullpen too. Yeah, and a, like a kind of a sneaky good lineup that kind of just goes by the wayside when you're um, – like from their pitching because they're pitching so bad. But you got right. Solaire who – Hits nukes. Moonshots. Yeah. Nukes. Daily. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Mary and you got Maryfield, who's just probably the all star. Probably the maybe like top 10 professional hitters. You know, there's a difference yes. between like an amazing hitter and the professional hitter. The guy gets 200 hits a year and he hits the right side all the time. Yeah. Um, you got what's his name? Dozier. Dozier. Good, yeah. good hitter. Salvador Perez is my, my favorite catcher in the league. He's, you know, that 
average is never there. Average is never there. You know, it's 240, whatever it is. But I guess adding Santana could definitely bolsters this lineup. I mean, what, what is he going to be at DH? Because Dozier plays first, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm sure uh, he'll be. Dozier can play. Dozier plays a lot of things. He can, he can play, play third too, right? Third, yeah. Yeah. So maybe Dozier plays third, Santana first, because oh, Solaire is, you can't play the outfield. I know that. Yeah. But, um, but um, yeah, I mean, like, I think it's a solid, solid move by the Royals. I don't know if they're going to do anything else. What was the deal? Like two, is it two years, one year? Um, I think it's two years. I think it's two years, like something like 8 million a year. Um, two years. So a pretty good little deal for the Royals. Uh, yeah. Not bad. Last, last move we wanted to talk about was Adam Eaton going back to the White Sox. Um. Another good, another move that makes just a ton of sense. Hey, look, it's it's so funny because, you know, I was I was watching MLB Network last night when I was working out, and they were talking about remember the trade, of course, everyone remembers that that Eaton trade what was it Giolito. four years ago, right for Giolito and Lopez, right? Yeah. And it's like you know you always we everyone loves looking back and like who won the trade, right? And it's like. You could say that the Nationals won the trade because Eaton helped helped them out win a World Series in his you know in 2019. But then it's like you look at the White Sox and they're like, dude, we just we got our potential ace and Lopez is a good like four starter. Yeah. And now we're getting eaten back. So it's a, I think it's overall, I think it's a great, I think it's a great deal. He's a veteran guy, can play the outfield. Um probably definitely it's, hopefully it's, it's, can Hopefully you can take that place for Jimenez because Jimenez cannot play the outfield at all. Yeah, it's hysterical watching play. I think right? uh, that's helpful for them. So now they don't have to count on Jimenez to go anywhere near the outfield. Um, don't and, put him anywhere near a baseball out there. Yeah, Just don't let him touch makes, it. Probably makes sense that they won't have to spend money now on a guy like uh, Encarnacion. Bring a guy like is he? He's a free agent, isn't he? Yeah. 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 So they won't have to bring him back because um, Eloy, Eloy will just slide into that DH spot. So pretty good little move. He's Eaton's just always solid. He's just a solid player. You kind of know. Scrappy hitter. Yeah. Like a, he kind of reminds me of like a Brett Gardner kind of guy. Um, um, I would say he's. Yeah, he's I would definitely. Better at this point, I think. But I think, yeah, because Gardner's now turned himself into that fourth outfielder now with, I mean, hopefully he becomes a fourth outfielder because I need, I need some Clint Frazier in that lineup every day. I need that. We'll, need that. we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, good. I, I'll, I'll be diving into that. Outside of my mic not working, and uh, that's, all, that's on me. Um, yeah. Dayton Moore for the Royals. GM said he did want to compete this year. Uh, on top of that, Hunter Dozier is probably going to be moving to left field with uh, Alex Gordon retiring. So it's something just to think about, and that makes a lot of sense to have Carlos Santana in the, in the fold. So let's hop into the AL East conversation. Um, let's start with the Blue Jays. Spunky, yeah, yeah. exciting. Yeah. Um, actually, no, I want, I want to ask you a question as a Yankees fan first. Go ahead. Um, this question is a couple parts. Next year, three to five years, end of the decade, who are the teams that you're worried about as a Yankees fan? So next year, who is? Next three to five, and then... Oof. Okay. Who I'm going to be worried about. Overall, I would say, 
um, for the next three to five years. I think the Dodgers, of course, are always going to be the next one. Oh, I, I mean in the division, in the division. Oh, I'm an idiot. Okay. Um, in the division, <laughs> Blue Jays, without a doubt. Blue Jays, 100%. 110%. I'm, I'm worried about them in the next three to five years. That team is so young. It's insane. I mean, they, they are legit taking the binkies out of their mouth. It's that they're that young, you know, and they'll, you know, I can say something totally wrong, but I'm not going to want to keep that in house. Um, something inappropriate <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, the blue Jays are a team that absolutely I'm worried about. Orioles have a long time like five or six years until they can actually be above 500 competing for the AL East. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, never count out the Red Sox. I know they had a horrible year last year. Um, they have a lot of money to spend with not, with no bets and no price. And um, they have a lot of pieces they want to keep like a, Jackie Bradley Jr. for this year, but who knows if he'll come back. But I would say that the team absolutely is going to be the Blue Jays, Blue Jays without a doubt. Because the Rays, of course, they're um, even the last 15 years, last decade, they've been either a first place team or a third place team. That's basically what their their MO is. They're never exactly a number one team in that division. It's always been either the Yankees or Red Sox. But the Blue Jays, they have a ton of guys. I got to shout out my boy, my guy, Anthony Kay. Left-handed pitcher. He's a bullpen guy now, long guy. He, uh, We actually played on the same high school team. And I will say this to the until the day I die in tryouts, he walked me. So suck that. Suck on that. I'm on full count. I did not swing one time. He was still probably throwing it like 60%, and he was touching like 87. So it was just like nice and easy, 86, 87. But he walked me. So there you oh, go. God. And he was like 95 now. So I can just say that, that I – a major league player walked me. So there you go. Gotta love but that. What about that? This Blue Jays core, um, I guess, would worry worry the big bad Yankees. Well, the the fact that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has slimmed down. I mean, the guy has lost. Uh, I mean, you see. I mean, everyone knows the wagon that like, this kid had. He was thick, dude. Yeah, he wasn't Lance Lynn thick. You know, he Lance Lynn is that bad thick. Vladimir Guerrero's got a fucking cannon on his behind, and he's lost all that weight. Now, imagine like a fit Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for the next like six years before he hits that free agency. That's arbitration years. He's always been able to hit. kick and mash, right? He's moved from third to first. It's better for him, it's better for the team. You got Prashetta at shortstop, who's going to be a uh, competing as like that. Do you guys remember, like, uh, you guys might be too young, but well, maybe you, I don't know, you, you'll remember this, but like that early 2000s with A-Rod, Cheater, and Garcia Parra yeah. competition of who was the best shortstop in the American League. Like, you're going to have now in one division, you're going to have Torres, Bogarts, and Bichette soon enough. That's going to be the competition. Maybe even Willie Adamas, too, who's kind of a guy who's coming up. Wander Franco. Oh, Wander Franco, too. Uh, You know, that guy, you see him, he's just like this. That's him. He's a monster. monster. But with with Bichette and maybe hopefully Biggio can creep that average back to a normal, you know, height, like a 280. He strikes out a lot, 290. strikes out a lot. But they have a lot of young guys, and they also have even veteran guys like uh, a Randall Gritchick, maybe they can keep him around and starting center fielder. They have other pieces, but the thing is, everyone knows that 
offense is there. It's the rotation. That yeah. rotation. I I've said it like you know I have no proof of saying this, but I I swear to God I said it. I said about three years ago. I said give the Blue Jays about three or four years. They're going to be competing for the AL East. That's going to be it. And the the big bad Yankees and the Red Sox are going to be looking over their shoulder because the young kids from from Canada are coming right behind them. I'm telling you. I mean, you guys know that team is is going to be good. Even with that rotation, they have guys that throw a million miles an hour in that rotation. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, I guess that was a perfect transition. We, we've talked about we, – we all had him uh, – George Springer being the top target for them to put him in center field because that just fits that team well. Right. Put like a legit leadoff hitter in. And then I know my pick was a guy like Tanaka being a target for them. Um, I would say this. And just from reading up on things and talking to some people with LeMay, he's going to be a Yankee again. It's a matter of time, but that means Tanaka is not coming back. That's the bummer because LeMay, he's going to get that blank check. If it's a five-year deal, like I, I wrote a blog, or maybe I can pull it up. Um, I wrote a blog the other day uh, about like my top 10 free agents and LeMay, I think was number two on my list, I would say, but with him, it's like the age, what is he? I think he's like 31, 32. So it's like that That number is, look, look the Yankees have made the mistake of giving a old-ish guy a 10-year deal or an eight-year deal, right? They've also seen guys go somewhere else and get that eight-year deal, cough, cough, Robinson Cano. Um, so they've seen, they've seen like giving guy a long extension. So maybe give that LeMahieu that like, three, four, five-year deal worth a shit ton of money per year. But that means Tanaka's not going to come back. And as a Yankee fan, that hurts me because Tanaka has been probably the most consistent pitcher over the last five or six years, however long he's been there as a Yankee. Like, I can go into a start and say, this is, this guy's going to give me a solid six. Even in the, in the playoffs, he's consistent. So I think Tanaka, maybe you can go – Toronto, maybe I, I I don't I don't know, but it's gonna be he's a nice pickup, and I don't know how much money Tanaka's gonna get or how many years, but whoever's gonna get him is gonna get a solid solid eating eating guy. I mean, they got they got Ryu last year, and that right. deal looks like it could work out pretty well for them. Um, right. So I think, and then there's just a lot of upside in the rotation too, because if Nate Pearson can stay healthy and figure it out. That is not going to be a fun guy to face every fifth day. Um, Dude, that kid, I remember watching the Futures game, and I was just like – I knew about him before, but the, before seeing him in the Futures game, and then you see him under the bright lights, and you're like, Dude, this kid can shove. And it's like – but it's you guys know, it's like everyone can throw 100 nowadays. It's like can you just locate your off speed? And if he can master locating the off speed – I mean, this kid, you, you like you just said before, you do not want to face him at all. And the Yankees have a lot of good offensive hitters, but a lot of the hitters strike out a lot. Stanton, Judge, Hicks strikes out a lot too. So it's a lot of guys that are good hitters, but can they face 102 for six straight innings or seven yeah. straight innings? I think it's a, good year. it's a good year for the Blue Jays to be in a position to spend too because there's a lot of like mid-tier – kind of um, 
like James Paxton, Quintana, guys like that, that they can fill out a rotation. And it's a good bullpen year. It's a great bullpen year to spend spend money on bullpen. And those are their, probably their two biggest needs outside of maybe an impact outfield bat. Um, the Blue Jays and their gonna... bullpen is pretty good for right now. They have some, they have some, you know, cheap people, cheap players that were through the system. Don't cost a lot of money. That can be these like Ken Giles. I mean, has he been like a successful closer throughout his career? No, but he's shown some upside through his Toronto career as that closer that you want. Throws 95, 96, maybe even more. But they have other pieces that are actually working. I'm forgetting what the guy's name is. Some Spanish dude. He was like the eighth inning guy, I think, seventh inning guy. Do you guys know? Oh, he throws so freaking hard. I forgot his name. I, I just love watching pitch because he was everyone's lights out eighth inning guy. That's who they want. But maybe you're right. Maybe this could be a good year for Toronto to get that one extra guy in the rotation or and also maybe – bolster that bullpen up because everyone knows that if you want to make the playoffs and go far, you have to have a bullpen. You have to. You can't manage to advance anywhere in the playoffs without a without a bullpen. You can't. It's just not possible. We also got to talk about that they did get Robbie Ray back for a, for a cheap price of like 8 mil this next year and they do have such rich owners that if they wanted to raise that payroll, they can. Like they just need to do it. Like, like the so- twins, the twins owner. He, I'm like forgetting his name all of a sudden, which is not good. Oh, Polad, the Polads. Yeah, probably the one of the richest owners in baseball. Same deal. Has so much money. Why don't like the getting Josh Donaldson last year was a shock for that amount of money. Why can't they go out and go get a Bauer with all the freaking money the owner has? You, I, like think, this, that's... I think the Blue Jays are a team that has shown, like, in the past, they've put that payroll up there. Like, I think they've been in the Batista Encarnacion years. They At one point, they were, like, a top five, maybe maybe top five, top ten payroll team. So, that, I mean, they, the Rodgers have shown willingness to, to spend before, and I think this is the time when they'll probably look to do that again. Yeah, yeah, let's 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 talk Red Sox. It's gonna it's we gotta get to it. I know, I know. Oh, I should just say this, say it right now. I'm the only one who's not like truly a Yankees fan in this group right now. Really? Interesting. Yes. I don't I mean, even know where you guys are from. Like, where's everyone from in here? I know Eli, you're I know you're from, but where about we're uh, from Boise, you know? Idaho? Jesus, there's nobody there. Okay. And what about you? I'm from Boise also. Jesus, what, what, you guys live in the middle of nowhere? I'm just kidding. Um, uh, so you guys, you guys are Yankee fans? Mariners, Mariners, Mariners Yankees. Mariners and Yankees. But the Mariners are so bad that uh, I kind of had to like someone else. My dad's from Buffalo, so. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Yankee fan. And when I worked for the Twins, it was like, it's almost impossible not to become a fan. Because if you're not a fan-ish, you're not like ingrained into the team, you're going to be miserable working there. So like it took me a couple months to like I would have to like, I would be watching the Yankee game up in the feed I'd be doing like little fist pumps underneath the desk when the Yankees were winning because everyone everyone there hates the Yankees and I remember I remember it was like maybe a month in 
they like linked me to like as a Yankee fan and I was outed fast and I was just like shit and everyone was like this guy we have a fucking Yankee fan working for us and because the Yankees you know the Yankees own the twins legit own yeah. them yeah every year but um yeah the Red Sox man it's uh I mean I don't know if you ask a question about the Sox because I'm, I'm kind of t- talking way too much here no no you're good we're they're they're in a place where they just need to get talent they have them they have money to do it like michael brantley has been linked to them um they just need talent the pitching has sucked but it'll get better with health yeah they need pitching talent mainly like they that rotation everything couldn't i don't think it could have been much worse to be honest like their rotation was horrible they didn't re-sign martin perez which was the only bright spot of their rotation so laugh out loud funny how bad that rotation was. And you know, as, as a Yankee fan, we like to see competition between the Sox and the Yankees. And there was zero competition, even in a 60 game season. You know, the Yankees play their division, right? They're in division teams 18 times a year. If it's at home and away, you know, we didn't see a lot of the Red Sox games, but they still were just, I didn't watch that much because it was just so, it wasn't watchable. And in that bets trade, that happened in the offseason. I don't even know what to say about that. You know, J- Jeter Downs, okay. And Verdugo, okay. Well, I, like, I like Verdugo. I like Verdugo too, but that's like you should they should have gotten like Gavin Lux out of this out of this trade from yeah. Betts. That's what they should have got. Like that should have been the number. It should have been Verdugo and Lux. And then I don't know, Urias, like the bets is worth a lot of these people and they didn't get anything back. Like Jeter Downs, you don't know what he's going to bring. Like the kid's got a good upside. We know that. But um, what was the catcher's name again? Like who, who was the kid's name again? He was like the third player in the deal. Wasn't there a catcher? Not off the top of my head. I think there was a catcher, but I don't think he was of anything of not relevant at all. Not relevant at all. So, like, it, it it was just – there was no – like, the Dodgers were taking a lot of the money, right? So, like, what – and they were giving price away, too. It's so like, why didn't they get – you know, you guys all understand. If you're going to do a best – if you're going to do a trade of a once-in-a-generation type talent, you better get the house. I don't understand. I don't Guy weren't involved. Well, and in the initial deal, they were going to get what baffles me about is in the initial deal, you're going to get Bruce Dargratterall, right? And then Don't all of a sudden you review the medicals shit, and you're like, oh, he might not be a starter. He might just be a reliever. And then you just don't get anyone else. No, and then the it was just like twins you know what? somehow Fuck come it. out of it with Kenta Maeda. My initial like, reaction, I know exactly where I was. I know my reaction to it. When I saw that Bruce Dargratterall was leaving Minnesota. I was like, what the fuck are the twins doing? Like, Kenta Maeda was that, like, he was a in, – in, in L.A., he was good, but he wasn't a Cy Young candidate, right? Gratterall was supposed to be the next closer, like next Joe Nathan for the twins. Gratterall throws a million miles an hour. He throws – he has, like, I don't know, he's kind of a weird dude on the mound. And, like, remember when you talk shit in, like, the World Series is so weird? Remember how weird yeah. that was? So, it's so weird. Yeah. But, like, the fact of the matter is, like, when I saw that, I was like, what are they doing? And and all the Twins are getting are getting, like, 
what was Kent Maeda like uh, last year? Like before this year, was like a, a, a three starter at most. He was yeah. in the bullpen in the playoffs. Right. So I was like, what are we doing? I know the Twins were basically a throw-in team just to tag along for the fun, but I don't know. The Red Sox need a lot and at the end of the day. They need a lot. They could be losing Jackie Bradley Jr. They might be getting Brantley. Who knows? I think they elude, They lose – like not only Jackie Bradley Jr. is like the maybe the best defensive center fielder in the game, but like he's a fan favorite, and we all know how important that is to a fan base – not just the value of a player and how they play off often on the field, but it's like, it's the camaraderie in the clubhouse as well. He's a fan favorite in the clubhouse. Everyone loves him. So like losing that could also spill some negative vibes. I mean, they have Devers, they have Bogarts, they have, um, what's his name? Uh, Bobby. Um, Delbeck. Yeah. Bobby Delbeck. They have him. Yeah. They have um, Chavis. Chavis. Right. So they have pieces. But it's just they don't have they don't even have J, JD Martinez. JD Martinez was so bad this past year, too. He was garbage too. So it was, it was almost like fitting. Nobody really was that good last year for them. No. And not having Sale either was nice. Was I think Sale was fortunate enough not even be on the roster last year. Um, I think it was a weirdly a huge win for them that everything just went wrong like it's better that they weren't right. mediocre and they didn't get like now they have a better draft pick the most alarming thing to me is Andrew Benatendi has not been who they thought he was going to be and that, that is huge for their development moving forward right he's not being that what everyone thought he was going to be this guy where he was going to 20 home runs, 180 hits, gold glove left fielder, whatever. And he's like, I, I, I like the kid, you know, I, I liked why I like watching him. I remember watching him in college. Was he went to South Carolina? I think it was Arkansas, Arkansas. Arkansas. Who went to South Carolina? Was that Bradley? Bradley, Bradley, Bradley went to that. That's why I forgot. I always forget. I was, I always flip flop those two, but like that, People have wanted to see that college Benatendi we always saw, who was the best hitter in, in the nation, right, when he was playing. I don't know. But I don't think they're going to be letting go Benatendi anytime soon or no. even thinking about it because he's part of that young outfield core with with Verdugo too. And maybe Bradley will be back. Who knows? Yeah, let's let's move to the Orioles before we get to the Yankees. We have we have a little list, and the Yankees is next, but we should talk about the Orioles. It's going to be a little quicker. Thank you. Yeah, it'd be stick. Look, now all I got is Adley Rutschman. Like I, I want that kid to be in the in the bigs next year, but it's not gonna happen. Yeah, I always like to. They have Mount Castle. Mount Castle is another like good prospect for them, but other than that, like it's a it's pretty thin. What's yeah, Rutschman is that? Draft. What's yeah, I don't know. Look, Rutschman is that kid that like I see a lot of like Buster Posey in him, a lot of Posey. I wouldn't, I wouldn't maybe say defensively, but like I can just see him. It looks like a mirror image of just like his personality. Kind of, you can kind of see the team leader in him. I don't watch him in college. I, I think there was a story of him. Like this just goes to show how amazing Rutschman is. I think when he was in college, I, I probably, I might butcher the story, but fuck it. Um, sophomore year, he was horrible. Like he was bad, like, 240, 230, wasn't starting. 
And then he just like changed his batting stance. I think he, I think he changed, I think his load and that was it in the off season. And then he goes off to bat 400 and he wasn't even in becoming a first round pick or not even a pick at all. He wasn't good. And he just changed one thing, stuck to it. National champion, bad 400 fucking absolute monster at the plate. But it's like, what else do they have? There's no other bright spot. Oils fans is all they have for the next year or two to look forward to. Yeah, they do have a good GM. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's just going to take a while. It's just going to take absolutely several years. Um, but kind of, I know you said five, six years earlier. That's kind of Eli and I were talking about that earlier. Like it's probably at least five, six, seven years yeah, away from absolutely. Them even being 500 and competing maybe at the end of the decade. Because you need you it, it look, we all know that Orioles the, the Orioles era when they were actually good in the last decade, right? They had they got Chris Davis from the Texas, right? They got Adam Jones from Seattle. So it's like not a lot of these guys. Um, I think what was it? I think Scope was through the system, but um Machado was through the system. But like a lot of the guys that they've gotten over the years when they were good were free agents and trades. So they need an Adley Rutschman to come up and excel and these other guys like um was it alberto right what's his first is that um answer answer alberto dude, dude that kid can rake <laughs> he's a big guy too and he can rake i love that kid he was all, i mean he killed me on FanDuel all the time <laughs> when i was set my lineups um but they need like these young guys to together to impress free agents right and to impress other teams they need that to happen. Um, I know a lot of people don't like calling up guys way too early than they have to. If it's arbitration stuff, if it's contract, whatever. It was me. Like, I called that kid up at the end of next year in September when you are 40 games under 500 and you are just saying, fuck it. We have nobody coming. I mean, who the fuck knows? Maybe we don't have any fans next year. I, I don't know. Hopefully we do. If you want to get your fans happy just for the end of September, imagine he bats like, you know, 340 in September. Do you understand how exciting that would be for that that fan base? But not let alone like that would bring maybe a couple of free agents, maybe a big free agent next year, who in the year after, maybe not big, but you know, second, third, third tier level free agent. It's like, Hey, we got this kid who's the, you know, it's going to be our guy for the years to come. But like you said, the Orioles, they got six years, seven years, maybe max until they're over 500 competing for the division. Unless, you know, other teams flop, who knows? But but I think that's the most realistic thing. Uh, One last point I'm going to make before we get to the Yankees is they're, they're that team that needs to just sign a bunch of like relievers and, catchers guys that they can move at the deadline and get some process exactly that's gonna help them too they just need to keep doing that until they're ready to go they need to pull some they need to pull some like um oklahoma city thunder shit and just stock up first round pick for the next like 20 years what they're doing exactly let's let's get on to what some people call the evil empire all right take it easy relax relax (laughs) i know Um, they're evil no i i have no real problem with them but Let's. You got to start with DJ LeMahieu has to become be a Yankee 
moving forward. That is where it starts. He needs to end his career as a Yankee. That's the that's the that's the fucking mo. He needs. He's uh, how old is he, guys? Is he like thirty two? He's thirty two. Okay, you sign him till he's thirty seven, thirty six. Fucking just right off into the sunset in pinstripes. That's what I want. He's got every year. He's gotten better. Who the f- there's nobody's been a batting tile champion in two div- in, in the National League in American League. No one's done that. So like you and and the thing is the guy can fucking mash and he also could play all over the infield. You don't find that every day. Who could play the entire infield? He can play second base for eight innings, and when Luke Voigt gets tired at first base, you put him at first. You know, yeah, he was. That, a- that's what that Rockies. Yeah, and he, it was awesome. The Rockies. Imagine like if the Rockies actually clicked with Arenado, Story, Lemayhu. You know that would. And, I mean, that would be the best offense in the game by far. But that that is like the Yankees' priority right now. The whole Lindor yeah. rumor. I've heard that once or twice. Like, oh, we can get Torres and Lindor on the same team. No, leave Lindor. Get him out of here. It's not going to happen. Get that rumor out. So it's not going to happen. About, if we're talking about rumors, um, obviously, well, a couple of Yankees things that kind of crossed my timeline today were Luke Voigt's comments on LeMahieu saying yep. if he was a betting man or if he had to put a bet, DJ will be back. Um, and I think that's generally the industry's kind of opinion on where he's going to end up. I think most people think he's going to come back, but so let's just assume that LeMahieu comes back. Um, The rumor that's been floated the last few hours that I've been seeing is Ken Rosenthal breaking that the Yankees have had discussions with the Pittsburgh Pirates on Jamison Tyon and um, Josh Bell. So that might be, I didn't see that. Did I just come out today? Yeah, a couple yeah, hours. The last ago. couple hours. Oh my god, I'm getting excited. Oh my god, Josh, <laughs> Josh Bell, in, like hitting balls out of right field, dude. It's like a little switch, hit, switch hitter is something yeah. that lineup could definitely use Benefit. because they Absolutely. have. I think they only have one switch hitter, and he's not. Hold, hold well, let's pump the brakes one second. Now you got me excited. So with the Bell and Tyon, Tyon had Tommy John, so he's a liability. Bell, who had a horrible year, was let's be honest. Because 2019, he had a breakout year. This year, he was bad. What would they have to give up? Well, I think Eli and I talked about this, and I don't know. You talked about liking Clint Frazier a lot earlier, but in a might be another type deal. Pirates want to contributors. Um, kind of proven more proven guys i don't think the pirates are going to want i mean they 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 have some prospects that are going to be ready to go here soon so well like the, the pirates just rolled the dice by trading meadows and glass now away and it's like oh we're gonna get chris archer okay maybe he can be the upside and they totally lost that trade probably the worst trade of the decade honestly it was horrible i mean those guys are you know freaking amazing players for the Rays. but if that could happen Okay, so if Bell and Tyon come in, so then you trade away Andujar, Frazier, so then Frazier's gone, Gardner will be the outfielder, whatever. What's going to happen with Void at first base? So you have Stanton, who's a DH, and Judge DHs once in a while. 
Voikin DH, LeMahieu DH is once in a blue moon. I like it. It's just like, where would Bell go? Because he can't play the outfield, right? No, he's, I mean, I would assume, I don't know how Eli, I'll let you take that. I don't know. I don't know what, that seems like too many DHs to me. Wait, so, you only can have one line. That's I, my check. I can't imagine Josh Bell playing the outfield ever again. He did come up as an outfielder and kill triple A, but he is not look like an outfielder at this point. You think that big boys run out right field? Left field? I mean, I'm just saying that, like, if that is a thought process there, that it could be. It could be. Right. I, I doubt it. But I could also see part of this trade being one of these young arms that the Yankees have. Like, that's something that the, the, the Pirates would look for. <sighs> Dude, and I know the one arm that they want is a, it's a Brayu dude. That kid throws a billion miles an hour. Albert Abreu, dude, he throws so hard. And you know, and and Garcia is a good pitcher. Like they're gonna probably need one. Garcia is maybe asking for too much because that kid's gonna be he's majorly ready already. But maybe a Brayu and Frazier and Andujar. See, my golden wish, my wish to start the offseason once it happened. This was my dream. My dream was re-sign Mayhew. Good. Cha-ching. Got him. Sanchez and Andujar, get the fuck out of here. You train him away. Sanchez, I can't believe they tendered him. I, I really didn't see that coming. I thought they were going to let him go. Because uh, the, the, he cannot catch. He's not a catcher. He's going to be in the American League for the rest of his career as a DH. If he wasn't with the Yankees, he's not going to catch. He can't catch. He practices every year. There's always those... Instagram stories and video of him in the DR catching and looks like he lost some weight. Looks like he can frame a pitch here and there. Can't do it. Anduar can't throw a baseball to first base. He tried left field. He can barely run out there. He tried first base. Give him credit for trying. So I, but Anduar has a good bat. So like maybe you can have two DHs on one team. I don't know, but I would love to have them gone. And then go on free agency and go get like a real Muto. That was my dream, but we can't always have our dreams come true. So I think real Muto is not out of the question. One and two, Sanchez could totally be traded at this point still. Like I know they tendered him, and like I know you've been you've been giving Steve Cohen a lot of love lately because he I mean, yeah. he's dope. He is dope, but yeah. he does have this understanding of there's two currencies in baseball: it's players and money. And the Yankees got a lot of money, so they could they Always could do. give that money to Sanchez and then still try to trade him. Yeah, it'd be nice. He's not going to a National League team. I he will never play in the National League because he, uh, unless he can maybe if some team gives him a shot at playing first base because he's just he's just not a successful catcher. I mean, Garrett Cole doesn't want him to catch his games. You're a starting catcher and you your ace doesn't want you to catch for you. You know, like doesn't want you to catch. It's a bad sign. All right, let's move on to the Rays to finish it up. The Rays, I mean, we got to think they they need another bat. We saw what they were in the playoffs. Another bat would push would have pushed that team over the edge, and they just didn't have it. it you know, you know what was funny? It was if you if you like when going into the World Series, I was talking to one of my coworkers at work, um, and I said to him like, "You look at that lineup. Like the Dodgers have." And the Yankees have those power hitters. You look at them. They're 40 home run guys. The Rays didn't have that. They had good hitters, contact hitters, the guys that got the job done. 
but you looked at that roster and like you didn't have that threat. Like a Rosarina became that guy, but going into the series, going into the playoffs, you just didn't have that guy that was like pitchers were sweating and freaking out that they need to face this guy with runners on the corners in one out, you know? Yeah. They and felt I comfortable think- going into this, going into that game or series that they didn't have to face a big bopper, but maybe that's what they need to go out and, but things, they don't have money. They don't have a yeah. lot of money to go get. Eli, one thing that Eli and I talked about um, that we think would make a lot of sense for them is they need something. They need a heavy bat from the right side. And one guy that makes a ton of sense um, if he doesn't resign in Minnesota is Nelson Cruz because he's just yeah. not a guy that I, if I was, I mean, if I was the Yankees, I would not want Nelson Cruz joining the race because he just doesn't ever seem to slow down. And he loves to be out the Yankees. It's been a career thing for him. He loves being up on the Yankees. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah, the Rays and losing Martin. Did he have a, a good year last year? No, but he is the old horseman in that, in that rotation that they're going to miss. And Atlanta got a good guy, solid guy. If you remember, Martin Morton was a brave to start out his career. So it was kind of like a full circle thing. But the Rays losing him kind of stinks. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't, I don't know the story with Brent Honeywell. Is he is he ready to go? I mean, he's – I know he was supposed to be the next big thing over there too. It's like, the, but if that's the thing with the race, they can turn nothing out of something. But can they? Can they go grab a guy like maybe a Santana could have been a nice signing for them? Yeah, they, they'll they'll figure it out. I mean, they the other thing that we were, we had on our list was they need to figure out what's going on with Adamas. Like Franco's coming, can they move Adamas? Can they get something for him? I move Adamas to third. I, I know like Brasso was a guy or Wendell, but like fucking move Adamus to third. Or I mean, like Franco looks too big to play short. Yeah, I'm. You know, it it just it just comes down to what they value and the way they can get them. So, Taylor, yeah. this has been a great time. Uh, pimp all the stuff your 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 socials and everything you sure. got. So you can follow me on Instagram at Taylor underscore Ringgold and on Twitter, just at Taylor Ringgold. You can follow End of the Bench on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I barely use that. Um, but on you, you go follow me on YouTube. That's where all my interviews are. That's where all the stuff is. And um, I have uh, two guests that are going to be coming up in the next week or two that are probably the biggest guests all people ever have, maybe. But uh, two big ones coming up soon. You will exciting. That'll all be in the description. We'll link everything in the description. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, thank you for being a, uh, able to answer all, answer all of our questions we've, we've had about podcasting because we've had a lot. But sure, um, we'll have more. Don't don't you worry. So thank you so much, man. Thanks, bro. All right. All right. I want to thank my cousin Taylor for uh, coming on as a guest and talking about a uh, little, little AL, AL East conversation. You know, Ben? We didn't talk about this. This this is our winter meetings episode. It is. We were at it the is. winter meetings last year, this week, 
having the time of our lives. A year ago today, we met Kevin Millar. Yeah, Kevin. And who else? Jordan Alvarez. Matt Kemp. Dan O'Dowd. The list just goes on and on. We just had such a fun time. We were just eating at a restaurant. Probably waited about 45 minutes for a couple. Uh, I think they were fried like macaroni yeah, balls. Yeah, that's so right. Cool. Yeah. And we were in about 45 minutes and we were just hanging out with Scott Boris. And then uh, yeah, post, he was posted up in a table. Leland walked in smoking a cigar. You know, it was just, it was a good time. Um, Ron, Ron Gardenhire was there. Yeah. Huh. Ron, Ron showed up. Um, at night. Yeah. It, it would have been nice to be able to make some type of content while we were there. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Uh, I'm going back. That was oh yeah, probably the greatest three or four days of my life. Yes, and next next year I 100% don't have any anything holding me back to going home before <laughs> the whole thing ends. Maybe we can make the gala this time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's let's get into a little, little all MLB talk. The first and second teams were released today, um, or not today, yesterday, yesterday. I think. Yesterday. And um, wow, we're just going to do a little gut reaction from what we see and see what see what we uh, disagree with. I'd like to start. So, I, oh, oh. I, you want to go? You want to list where who all the guys are in their position, Connor? Yeah. That'd be a great way to start. Oh, thanks, Eli. Sorry, I kind of interrupted you. That's my fault. Um, so, first team, uh, catcher Salvador Perez. I agree with that. First baseman, Freddie Freeman. Again, MVP, deserving. Second baseman, DJ LeMahieu, best in the league, deserving. Uh, third base, where I have an issue, uh, Manny Machado. But I'll get into my issue with that later. Uh, shortstop, Fernando Tatis, uh, most fun guy in baseball. And then the outfield, it goes Mookie, Trout, and Soto. Then DH, we got Marcelo Zuna. Move to the pitchers, we got Bieber, Bauer, Darvish, Freed, DeGrom, and then Liam Hendricks and Nick Anderson. Got reactions, Ben? Who? What do you agree with and disagree with when you see this right away? Uh, you know what? I'm not going to lie. I think for the most part, they pretty much drilled it. Especially the pitchers. The pitchers, I, they drilled the pitchers. Like, they got that right, in my opinion. I I think that I agree with Connor. I think they missed third base, and I think they missed a reliever. Yeah, Jose Abreu led the league in war and isn't the first team. Yeah, I think – I think Jose the, Ramirez, Jose Ramirez. Yeah, Jose Ramirez, not Jose Abreu. My fault. Uh, I think – you could make an one do see that you could make an argument from those. I guess my biggest knee jerk reaction to this was um, Devin Williams could arguably be on there over maybe Nick Anderson. Love that. Um, That's exactly where I'm going. That was the one gripe I had with that. I can see why I can see why Machado's on this list, to be honest. Like he was very, very impactful on that Padres him the entire year while Jose Ramirez a lot of the not that he didn't have a great year but his two week stretch kind of there towards the end kind of was the carrying tool for his war yeah that was kind of the same debate when it came down to the MVP um 
But again, I, I think I would have liked to see Ramirez on here just because that he led the league in war. That's a hard thing yeah, to yeah. dispute at that point. No, I understand, I understand that. But I think uh, for the most part, they usually mess up things like this. I think they kind of kind of nailed it. I love seeing – you love to see Salvador Perez on there. He also won Comeback Player of the Year. Yeah, yeah. Him and Daniel Bard, I was going to get into that Yeah. after this. But what a story Daniel Bard is. What, what a story. 2000, 2013 was the last time he pitched in the bigs, and now he's still throwing cheese in 2020. Yep. Love to have him on the pod. We'd love that. Well, if you ever hear this, Daniel, you're always welcome. Welcome. I've heard he's a big fan. Uh, that's great to hear. All right, let's Inside get person. let's get the second team. Um, Connor, right. take it away. Second team, uh, catcher, uh, JT Real Muto. Move over to first base. We got Jose Abreu, and then second base we got Brandon Lowe from the Rays. Third base. My first team guy, my opinion, Jose Ramirez. Then at shortstop, we got uh, World M- World Series MVP Corey Seager. Might have a slight issue with this later. Eli and I talked about it earlier. Then outfield, we got Acuna, Yastrzemski, and uh, shout out to the Northwest, Michael Conforto. And then DH, we got Nelson Cruz. And then for the pitchers, we got uh, Lamette, Cole, Kershaw, Maeda, Ryu. And then for the relievers, we got Brad Hand and Devin Williams. Yeah, I I mean, shortstop is where I'm uh I'm thinking I have a problem. I I couldn't tell you the numbers off the top of my head if Seager is really deserving, but I'm thinking to Pretty myself sure. that Trey Turner and TA both had a little bit better seasons than yeah. Seager. I could be wrong. Yeah, I was gonna say Trey Turner for sure. I, yeah, um, I mean Trey Turner slash three thirty five. Uh, 394, 588, and had a 2.7 war. And then Corey Seager. Um, I'll talk about uh, Comforto this last year. What an impressive year he's put together. I mean, he's about to get some ARB money this next year. And Yeah, that was honestly when, when looking at this list, like for the most part, I agree with most of these two, but honestly, the two that got me the most excited are seeing Mike Yastrzemski and Michael Conforto right in the middle of that. Yeah, I don't know, both of those guys have just, I feel like, obviously different situations, but you got Yastrzemski just spent like eight years in the minor leagues grinding it out, and then he had that year, that type of a year, and then Conforto, who's kind of had not really, I guess, kind of an up and down career, um, a little bit, but he's been just so solid and hasn't got a lot of recognition the last couple of years. And for him to get that second team, nah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's good too. Yeah, I another one I'm like looking at and I'm questioning a little bit was was Clayton Kershaw that like nails like that this year? Uh, I was pretty solid about the other four as well um denelson lamette is a problem like that guy is very good but i was not sure about kershaw Kershaw, so i'm not 
Kershaw was two six ERA, one point four WAR, six and two record, nine point five Ks per nine, one point two three walks per nine. Uh, fifty eight innings pitch. I mean, that's clearly low because there was no games. But I mean, pretty I'm good. Not gonna lie, could you? This is. I'm gonna sound like a homer, um, but for the sake of conversation, is how far, how comparable is Marco Gonzalez to Clayton Kershaw on their on their sixty game numbers? Um, pulling it up right now. Good year. Like, and uh, that's I'm probably gonna get laughed out of the building for that, but like, I bet you it's close. Uh, you know, Marco had a WAR of two this year, so higher than Kershaw. K uh, for nine, a little bit lower, eight point two seven walks per nine. Better at point nine, uh, ERA of three. One. I think kind of hurt him, and then seven and two record. So, and then sixty nine point two. Nice, and he's pitched. So yeah. I mean, pretty comparable, yeah. honestly. But I mean, yeah, he's not a, as remarkable as a name as Kershaw. So, yeah, but this isn't. I mean, yeah. Can we talk about the three guys at the in that rotation and second team? Kershaw, Mayeda, and Ryu all yeah. being on the same team the year before, and now they're all getting the nod here. And Walker Buehler is still considered the ace of that rotation. You know, honestly, when I think about that, it worked out well for all three. Yeah. Kershaw uh-huh. got his ring, Maeda found a home, and Ryu got a bag. It's true, 100%. Well, you know, one conversation. thing actually did stand out to me before we move on. Um, Brad Hand just got second team all MLB, and then just the Indians were like, "Nah, we you can you can go test the water somewhere else." Yeah, what? Uh, it's like Rick Renteria and the the White Sox, right? Yeah, weird. It's weird. It's gonna be interesting because when these guys are all up for the Hall of Fame ballots these things might actually matter. Yes. So let's let's get into the Hall of Fame. We we haven't talked about it yet. It's a remarkably weak class, if I'm going to be honest. Um we're starting to get into the like um one thing I've noticed about the last couple of years is we're really starting to get into for us like the years that we were growing up in baseball, we're really starting to get into this class. Like when I look at this list, um, guys that jump out at me are like Mark Burley and AJ Burnett and Andy Pettit, Andrew Jones, Tori Hunter, Nick Swisher, just guys that were just part of my childhood baseball experience. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Um, from this list, Manny. I don't, Manny, I don't see a lot of guys that should get in. I mean, we don't have the numbers of how much, how many more votes guys need to get. And we don't have the, like, I think you can see in italics, there's the guys that uh, are our first ballot guys. But yes. those guys are, none of them jump out to me as first ballot guys. No. no. Um, I did see today that it looks like Bonds and Schilling right now are at the same, um, they're at the same kind of point in their votes as they were last year. Yeah. So 
it's not looking great for those two. Yeah, we should we should definitely talk about it in the context of Barry Bonds, Kurt Schilling, and Roger Clemens. Those three are currently the three guys with the highest votes from mm-hmm. last year who Is need to gain some last year. No, they're uh Bonds they're and Clemens. Yeah, Bonds and Clemens are in their last year or in their ninth year. So the three of them need to be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. I know people are going to probably get upset with us because, you know, some they cheated and Kurt Schilling is a piece of crap, but it is it is what it is. They're good baseball players. Yep. And one of the best arguments that I've – or I guess it's not really an argument, but get, one of the best ideas that I've heard um, – Jared Carabas, he kind of has this idea that they need to kind of have the asshole class. Um, and if you don't want to support that class, then you don't have to. But those three guys need to be in the Hall of Fame for what they did for the game. Um, and I think it's a good idea. Just put them all in together. Um, if people want to just skip that year and pretend like it didn't happen – Go ahead, but the guys that want to celebrate those guys, they they should have their time to celebrate those guys. Yeah, I that I think that's the best way to go about it, especially in this COVID year that people aren't going to be attending the Hall of Fame ceremony like ever before. Like, there's just not going to be anyone there. So this is a great time to put all those guys in. They won't have that same shine. They won't have that same ceremony. And if you wait till next year, there's a guy getting in first ballot, and his name's Derek Jeter. You Dude, don't want to taint the Jeter. What, what are you going to say? Isn't he already in? Huh? He got elected last year. I swear to God. <laughs> like, he's already in. He hasn't been officially inducted yet because of COVID, and they didn't have the ceremony, but he got, like, he got elected in the hall. Of yeah, he got in. Oh, yeah, that's true. You're right. You're right. <laughs> nice. It's been a long year. It's, Big, been, a long it's been a long year. year. You're right. Who? There's somebody, there's somebody, there's a first ballot guy next year. Uh, you know, I don't know. That is. I, don't, I don't know. But I, Anyways. Connor can, Connor can look that up. But while we're on the topic, like, what happens if just like none of these guys get in? <laughs> well, they still have, they still have last year's class to look at to induct. So I guess it's not that big of a deal for them. They still have a ceremony. Yeah. Um, um, well, there's also the, what is it? The, the Hall of Fame can induct them later on after they fall off the ballot. Yeah, yeah, they can. Like, a, didn't Tim Raines end up in that situation? He, he might have gotten in normally. It was, what's his name? Uh, the shortstop from Tigers. Uh, I can't yeah, remember. I, can I do have a question though. Um, who on this list is your like? I'll call him like your your Edgar pick, like the guy that you would vouch for, um, like your sleeper. Through and through. Oh, Alan Trammell's the guy I'm thinking of. Um, uh. I like maybe um, 
Andrew Jones or Tim Hudson? I think those are good picks. Tim Hudson popped out to me first. Um, Just so solid. Johan Santana was on the list. I would be back in that camp a lot, but, you know. It Talk is. about Prime. Yeah. Super – yeah. Um, do you want to get on to our new segment? Oh, Sounds good. Let's, let's move on. I'm excited. We're, we call this one the uh, nerve nerd out. So, oh, and it's a good one. He can save careers or destroy careers all at once. We'll see what, we'll see what he chooses. I'm hoping that he destroys this one. Dr. Jack. Man, I, I, was, I was trying to, and then, uh, and then uh, we'll just see. Um, can you all see this? Yes. Okay. So the guy I'm going to nerd out today is David Fletcher. And to me, David Fletcher is the most annoying guy in the MLB. I just watch him play. I'm like, how does this guy make it to the majors and have success? Um, so I just give you the presentation of why David Fletcher is somehow good by nerve. So um, one sec. Um, first, let's look, just look at his basic stats for 2020. Uh, 230 plate appearances, three nukes, hit 319, 376 OBP, Clearly, the slugging isn't going to be that great because it doesn't hit nukes. 425 slugging and then a 1.6 war. So, I mean, I would just, I would just like to say, um, I actually felt so confident that David Fletcher will not hit 10 home runs that I made a bet. He hit like three home runs in a matter of like a week this year. And I made a bet with someone that if he hit 10 home runs this year or next year, that I would buy his jersey and wear it for a whole week straight. That's how confident I am that he does not hit 10 home runs. So, but carry on. Sorry. I also will agree with you later on about that. Um, so then here's the section of what I like to call um, wet newspaper barrels. Um, we all know that David Fletcher's not hit the ball hard. In fact, his average exit velo in 2020 was 84.7, which is the second worst in the majors, only behind Eric Sogard at 84.4. Oddly enough, he was also tied with Yadier Molina. And then what's also funny is his barrel percentage per plate appearance is 0.4, which is the third worst in MLB. He's the only people behind him were Eric Sogard and his teammate. Uh, and Jolton Simmons was actually below him. But um, you kind of look at his, I've shown his three previous years, 2018, 2019, 2020 on this thing. And so his exit velo has actually gone up from when he came into the league at 84. It's at 84.7 now, which is a slight improvement. But um, as you see, his launch angle has gone extremely down. It used to be an average of 13.4, and now it is at 4.1. But for David Fletcher, I'll tell you why this is a very good thing for him later on. Um, so his, again, I'm pissing off a lot of people in the baseball world now, but for David Fletcher personally, his launch angle being lower is good for him. I'm not saying that for most guys, but for you special bastard, David Fletcher, good for you for lowering your launch angle. And can we just look at, he's had one barrel according to fan graphs in each of the last three years, only one. And hey, he, but you got to say that that's kind of an improvement in the 60 game season, right? Yeah. He's getting better. David is evolving. And then um, I don't know why I put this, seven this year. That's kind of cool. I don't know why I put this section in, but here is pitches flush daddy Kutch sees. Um, you can look at like this fastball percentage and stuff. I don't know. It's in there. If you want to make any comments about it, but uh, his uh, walk percentage is 8.7. His K percentage is 10.9. I mean, pretty good that's number. Really, there. That's yeah. really good. Actually. Yeah. David. Uh, 
I actually have one interesting thing that I just remembered about David Fletcher that also just really grinds my gears about him. He, he has seen, he saw the highest percentage of middle, middle fastballs in 2020, in the 2020 season. Oh, funny you say and that. Also, this is where all of his pitches are. Yeah, I'm telling Yeah. Yeah, they no, just, they literally, the pitchers play. He also swung at the least amount of middle, middle fastballs. Yes, we're getting there. But as on the heat map here, you can see that. So this is a heat map of how pitchers pitch David Fletcher. You can see they're not very terrified of David Fletcher. So they kind of just attack him middle, middle and be like, you know what? We'll give up a single if we have to, but we're just going to go straight after you and not waste some pitches. And I, you know, I don't know if the game plan is working because David is putting up some numbers. Here's what I think is the most interesting about David Fletcher. So the dude just doesn't miss actually. So I have him compared to like just average hitters here. And so O swing percentage is his swing percentage outside of the zone. And clearly it's, it's lower than in every year. It's lower than average, but his contact percentage of his O contact his outside zone contact percentage is astronomically higher than the rest of the MLB outside contact percentage is 61.4 for my man, David Fletcher. It is 85.8%. That is stupid. He like, so the big thing with him, I think makes him successful is he just like knows the pitches he's good at hitting. So he only swings the pitches he knows he can hit. So his swinging strike is percentages, again, astronomically lower. And the MLB is an average of 11.3%. His swing, like, so pitches in the strike zone that he misses is 3%. That's stupid. But he also swings, like, he takes balls in the strike zone more than the rest of the MLB does. And that's shown by, um, I think, uh, F strike percentage. And then... Here's where he made some huge adjustments later on. So I showed you his. And then, so this is where uh, those things flush hits. This is where they go. So he sprays it pretty well. I mean, clearly a little more pull like most people. And then he lives for ground balls, as you can see. He's hit 100 ground balls this past year and only 38 fly balls, which is, again, contrary to popular opinion, a reason for his success. So here's his uh, spray chart compared from 2019 to 2020. I want to just point out a couple things. So you see these little clumps in left center and right field. Uh-huh. Those, those clumps in 2019 were bad for David because he does not hit the ball hard. So he wasn't getting over outfielders heads. So he's getting a lot of flyouts to those positions. And they're just kind of shifting them in areas where they knew he was going to hit. And then you look over to 2020, there's just really not a lot of clumping which shows that he's spraying the ball better. So he can't shift them as much and he kind of flies. So he's just hitting the ground ball on the ground more, which again is weird. David Fletcher is not a normal hitter. And then our ground ball is good in 2020. So I looked it up and there's what you call an ideal ground ball. So an ideal ground ball has to be hit over 87 miles per hour. And this is Dave, David Fletcher's percent of balls. Ground balls hit over 87 miles per hour. 2020, peak of his career. He's hitting the ball harder this year. And then this is his uh, launch angle of his ground balls. So in this season, they have to be between negative 18 and 18 and negative eight degree launch angle. So this year he's had a 33.7% ideal ground ball percentage, which again is an improvement. And Ben, I know this is, I can see it in your face. This is incredibly annoying for you. We'll move I, on. I'm not having a good time. No, no. So David is improving. Um, so here's my conclusion. So David Fletcher sucks at hitting fly balls. Awesome at hitting ground balls. And the reason he sucks at hitting fly balls is the dude just doesn't hit the ball in the air, like hard enough to hit the ball in the air and be successful. And I think he's realized that. And that's why he's in the bigs. 
So my solution to that is do what you're good at and hit more ground balls. And then for his best success, uh, ground balls must live at or above 87 exit velo or higher. And then another success, he knows what pitches he's good at hitting. A lot of pitchers attack him middle, middle, and he just swings the balls he can hit. He has very good discipline and he just knows what he can hit and he does his job. And so my ultimate conclusion is if you hit 80 poo, you can't be Mike Schott and hit nukes. You should be David Fletcher and live for singles. Connor, I love that. You did great. That was, this is, this is a new segment we're going to do every other week. We're going to switch, we'll switch him out for the nerve nug so he doesn't have to come up with trivia every single week and just be a little bit more interesting. Love to hear your thoughts on my David Fletcher presentation. You know, I just, the guy, I don't know what to think about him because I, the, the thing that I'm just not actually sure that he's. His zips projections for the next two years are just way lower than his numbers. I just don't, that's my thing about him is I feel like he appears to be a better hitter than he actually is. Yeah, I think the shortened season kind of helped him in this case. Yeah, because he's – I think his OPS was over 800. Um, but, like, he – I think he's probably a below-average OPS guy in a normal year. Yeah. Like, he just does no damage. Like, his damage is just not there, but his average is good, so. His damage is getting on base so Mike Chuck can hit nukes and drive him in. But he, de- he doesn't get on base that much, I don't think. What's his on-base percentage? 376. That's pretty good. Yeah. See, I, it's it's kind of the beautiful thing about baseball, though. Like, yeah, there's so many ways to get it done. Like, yeah. if you do what you're good at, like really well, there's there's gonna be a place for you. And to be in front of a guy like Mike Trout, like that, that's gonna help Mike's numbers a lot. I'm I sure he loves Fletcher. The thing about him hitting in front of Trout is he's gonna exactly. What we talked about is he's going to get so many fastballs just right down the middle. Yeah, they're like, we're not really worried about you. We're worried about oh. that Mike Trout guy behind you. So I think he just kind of gets lost. And they're like, yeah, here you go. Have fun. Yeah. Yeah, I Last year before the deadline when they had Listella and Fletcher, those two were such a problem. They're just on base all the time. They You just couldn't really strike them out either. It was just – that's fun. Uh, you, that's why you love baseball. You, anyone can do anything. He's a good. He's a good fit. Still not a big fan of the player or the profile, but he's a good fit for that offense. I'll get. I'll give him that. Yeah, that's right. Yes. I, I think that's don't. Awesome. He annoys me, but I love the unique uniqueness of his success, and that's why I love baseball. Yeah, and if, I mean, for for certain teams, I, I wouldn't put him. I wouldn't love him on a certain team that I'm thinking yeah. of, but overall, if there's if there's a lineup with a bunch of boppers and you need a dude that just gets on base and just kind of gives pitchers fits just because they don't do real damage but they do get hits, like that's that's something that people that, that that's nice for them. He he has a he's in a good fit. Hundred percent. Final thoughts. You know, my final thought was going to be something about the winter, our uh, escapade at the winter meetings last year. Can we just talk about the fact that um, 
that little story that we have about how Dallas Braden told us to go up to the top floor. Oh yeah, uh, let's 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 just go through this whole story. So so we meet Jared Carabas and Dallas Braden at the winter meetings, and Dallas tells us we need to get into the the clubhouse managers. Yeah. Uh, like dinner or whatever it was. And so we're trying to figure out how to get there. And just so happened, we're just talking to random people. And we talked to this one lady who was a clubhouse manager. And she was like, yeah, well, I'll get you in. Like, no problem. And like, while I'm talking to this lady, this guy <laughs> just starts talking to Ben and just like telling him about how he's no, oh, like, like we need to give do this guy some justice. Like he, he was homeless. Yeah, he was. Yes, he was a homeless man. He saw a lot of people coming in and out of this hotel, so he walked in just because he could. And he was telling, he was telling Ben about how next year he was gonna be there in a suit. Like nobody's gonna be like again. No one's there at that hotel. So if he shows up in a suit, good for him. But nobody would have seen him. Yeah, the and, winter meetings is in Dallas next year, buddy. So, and and Ben's just telling me just go. He was just trying to tell me to leave him, and I was like, I can't. <laughs> so we this dude derails the plan. So what what do we do? We're gonna try to go anyways, but we needed like some like. We passed. We needed like, so first of all, the first obstacle was we weren't actually staying at this hotel, so we didn't have a key to get up to the top floor. Um, so we hopped in the elevator with this random guy, and after he gets out, we <laughs> we press top floor, we make it up there, and we you can take the rest of it. I, yeah, we walk up, and there's just this dude checking like. Yeah, what team are you <laughs> the clubhouse manager for? And we're like, we're just told to come. Like, we we have no business of being there. We're at the top of this hotel, just so confused. We were just kind of waiting it out, seeing if maybe this lady would walk by to let us in. And it just didn't happen. It was just quite the party they were having over there. Just <laughs> so the moral of the story is this guy, or I guess the what we're going to get out of the story is that that guy is probably standing and a suit and tie in that hotel right now. Yeah, the Grand Hyatt in, in <laughs> San Diego. <laughs> he was basically telling me how I would I would never believe what he's going to look like a year from now and that I would rue the day because he would be back in a suit. But that's my final thought. Wow. That was that was the best final thought so far. <laughs> Connor, what do you got? You know, not as entertaining. My final thought, shout out LeBron James, greatest athlete of our generation, time athlete of the year. Good for you, man. Not that you need my recognition, but I applaud you. Yeah. Um, I, I had a final thought. I completely forgot it because <laughs> of that story. But again, shout out Daniel Bard. Huge comeback story. It's probably something we're going to bring up again, but it was super cool to see what he did with the Rockies this year. All right, boys. We out. We're out. Love y'all.